This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today is our third and final interview with Anthony Gramani from Sonatus USA. In part one, we talked about sound treatment. In part two, we talked about sound isolation. And in this third part, we put all this stuff together. So what Anthony and his team of experts have done from Sonatus have looked at my studio space and based on their recommendations, have added a variety of diffusers and absorbers to try and give me the best sound I can get and the most options I can get in my studio space to record drums and just about anything. In this interview, this audio version that you're listening to, this is taken once again from a video that we shot from our Zoom call. I encourage you to look down below and follow the link to our YouTube video. It's a little bit more thorough. There's more graphics involved. What I've done is I've tried my best to edit this audio version so that if you just want to listen, you get a good idea of what we've done to this studio space. I've included a few of my own recordings that I've done for different projects that I'm working on to give you an idea of kind of a before and after uh, effect of what has happened to my space. We hope you find this educational, inspiring as we go into a deep dive of sound treatment. To find out more about this episode and the over 300 episodes that we've done on Working Drummer Podcast, you can go to workingdrummer.net. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, as well as iTunes, where you can rate and review this podcast. This helps us grow. This helps us reach new listeners and put on a better podcast for you. So find us on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast. We are also on Stitcher and Spotify. If you're interested in supporting what Zach and I have been doing here for over six years, you can find us on patreon.com slash working drummer for as little as a dollar per month. You have access to the educational material that we provide on our Patreon page provided by former guests. If Patreon isn't your thing, we have a PayPal button on our website, workingdrummer.net. You can go there and donate. We appreciate all the support over the years that we've gotten from you, our listeners, and we are excited about what 2021 is bringing to the table, and we hope you are too. Get it right at the source, the most common advice we hear when recording real drums. Well, tuned drums and good mic placement is a great place to start. What shouldn't be overlooked is the room or space where you're recording or practicing your drums. The time and energy it takes to work up and record a great performance shouldn't be wasted in a sonically bad environment. A proper mix of absorption, diffusion, and bass traps will improve the quality of your recordings just as much as the investment you made in your drum set and your recording equipment. Sonatus USA provides the products and consultation for any situation, any size room to get your drums sounding the best they can. Whether you're recording, rehearsing, or mixing, having a great sounding room is essential. Check them out at sonatususa.com. That's S-O-N-I-T-U-S-U-S-A dot com. So once again, I encourage you to go to the uh, YouTube link in the show notes that takes you to the video that shows more visuals that Anthony provides. There's a little bit more information in there 
Uh, I've included some of the pictures below that you can see how they've designed my room. Uh, the audio was taken from the Zoom call. Ironically, we are talking about sound treatment, and yet the recording of my voice is awful. <laughs> it's clear, you understand it, but uh, sonically it's pretty bad. Uh, I find that, uh, I don't know, I find it funny. Uh, but I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Anthony Gramani from Sonatus USA. Here we are once again. Uh, this is the third installation of our video. We've done two before. We did one on sound isolation. We did uh, the first one on sound treatment. And here we are circling back, talking about sound treatment. And uh, you guys were so gracious to take all the dimensions of my studio space where I have drums, I track percussion, I track vocals, uh, just has opened up the possibilities. And so we're going to get into that, what you guys have done to my room. Uh, Anthony Gramani from Sonatus. I've been practicing that for a while. Yeah, you got it. You got, got it. The, got the name down. Yeah. Uh, so in a nutshell, I had uh, a little bit of room treatment like people do. Uh, a foam thing here, a blanket there, uh, trying to control the room. Uh, so when you guys talked about all the science behind uh, diffusers and absorbers and all these different kinds of things, it gave uh, me a chance to kind of experiment or it, it, it gave me a chance to consider what potential this room had. And it should be known to our listeners what the dimensions, roughly eight foot high ceilings, right? 14 inch, uh, 14 foot length, 11 foot width. There's other aspects of this as well, but that in a nutshell, to give you an idea of what kind of room was treated. And we're, we're going to include videos and audio examples in this video today so that you can really hear the difference. Uh, this is a, almost typical bedroom size room. And so it's a great opportunity to show what people can do in their home studio with a lot of the space, spatial dimensions that most of us are dealing with. Right, right. So you, what, what you're in is a, a room that's a little bit bigger than the kid's bedroom, mm -hmm. about the size of a typical, what, uh, you know, a the main bedroom of a house used to be called a master bedroom. Now we're calling it the owner's suite. Um, uh. And, uh, and actually I, I have to say, so we'll, we'll get back to this, but you sent me a recording that showed what the room sounded like before you treated it. And then what the room sounded like after you treated, you know, kept everything the same, just put up the, the materials. And I, I was like, wow, check it out. I mean, you're a great drummer. You got great Thank drums, you, you play well, but you're very, you know, raw recording, just straight, you know, mics right into into the board, if I can call it that way. Yeah. There ain't no board anymore, but I still like saying that. Um, sounded like something you'd get in a really expensive studio, yet it was a, a room that's the size of a bedroom with proper acoustical retrofit. So that was really... Uh, uh, that was really fun. It was actually fun to, to experience that and see, yeah, wow, that, that actually worked really well. If anyone wants to know kind of the, the little bit of the technical aspects, it, it, uh, as briefly as I can say, I'm using an, 
uh, universal audio interface. And there's some active mic pre's that I'll use a little bit of compression or something uh, to go through the interface into, I use Logic. I turned all that stuff off. So what you're going to hear is the microphone straight into the DAW with no, no effects, uh, same drums, same cymbals, same drummer, uh, you know, it, uh, same track. Uh, I think the after has my friend who walked in with my phone and walked around, but the audio is from the recording. I just married the video with the audio. So you're not hearing that from the phone. You're actually hearing the same track, the same performance, or, or, or uh, the same song, the same parts. Mm -hmm. uh, everything being the same. And then the last thing I, I decided to do was not mix anything. So 10 tracks, all the drums, all the room mics, 10 tracks at Unity, at zero. So it's there's no mixing involved. So you get... A, an apples to apples comparison of the room. A couple of these things that we've gotten social sure. media responses sure. lucky, okay let you hear that yeah Here, here's some things uh room sounds great sounds great man i'm sure you're saving time mixing on the back end as well right quite a difference kit sounds super fat wow what a difference sounds fantastic and then somebody wrote more of this, <laughs> more of this. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means but, uh, and then people are asking now, they're asking, tell me about the room dimensions. Mm -hmm. And then also, why did they place, uh, what were their plans involved in the placement of this, of the different materials? Uh, if so, why and what for? And it's like, great question. We're answering that now. The episode will be out next week. So people want to know. Why is there a diffuser right there? Right why there. is yeah? Why is there uh, you know uh, uh, absorber there? You sent us a round of pictures going all the way around. You told us where the door was. You told us well both doors and uh, where you wanted to put your drums. And then we did the engineering work it takes to figure out like you know how's sound bouncing around here. It's coming off your drums and hitting all these different surface surfaces. We have all these modeling tools that allow to simulate on computers what what the room does, a process called oralization. You can just build a, a, a synthetic ver version of the room and listen with, with earphones and binaural what it's going to do. And we've got certain recipes. We just, you know, we go, hey, given a room like this, you need about this much absorption and diffusion. And we usually like to place them this way and that way for reasons I will really... I won't re-explain completely because I think we spent like an hour going over that, but I'll, I'll just quickly uh, go through them. Um, and then we, we can actually try that. We can actually put uh, various materials in various places in the room and, and energize from the middle of the room where your drum kit is and just go, well, is that going to work? And, and the oralization, as it's known, is pretty accurate. 
Um, now, to be totally, completely fair, the way the ear and brain of a human being hears is so complex and nonlinear that it's that you can't actually just completely simulate what's going to happen. You know, you, you know, from hearing it, hearing a drum kit in a room and then sticking the microphone and listening to that, it's like, man, it's completely different because, because it is a microphone does not have any of the funny processing that goes on in the brain. It's just like raw. Um, by the way, if you want to hear what the microphone is going to do, really quick thing to do is you, you plug one ear and you listen this way to what's coming off and you'd be amazed how completely different it is when it goes directly into your canal without your two ears. That's a great so, trick, man. Yeah. Uh, so what's called in, in psychoacoustics, the study study of acoustics, a binaural hearing, the, the fact that we have these two ears that even though we can't move them like dogs can, our brain's kind of trying to go, where is it? Where is it? What's it going? Trying to remove reflections and cancellations of echoes and stuff to, to listen to the sound. And that's why a sound is a lot drier and cleaner when you just listen to it than when you pick it up on a mic. But if you kill the binaural hearing by plugging one or the other ear, whichever ear you have that's less shot, um, then you you get back to hearing more like what a microphone does. It's not exactly the same, but you 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 can then kind of walk around a drum and you can go, how does it sound here? How does it sound there? And stick a mic there and see how well that works. Um, so I'm I'm like the king of digressions, and I'm going to do another digression. When I said whichever one of your two ears is less shot. Do you know that that people who drive in people who drive, which is a lot of people and who drive on in countries where you drive on the right side of the road, like in the US, most of Europe, except for England um, and other places, most of most of us who drive on the right side of the road, our left ear after a few years, you know, by the time you're 30 or 40 is actually degraded relative to your right ear because you tend to drive sometimes with the window open or the noise of the road is more there and it just damages that ear. Wow. And people who drive in Australia, Japan, and uh, the UK and other countries where they drive on the wrong side of the road, because it's not the right side of the road, it's going to be the wrong side of the road, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> and the ones who drive on the wrong side of the road, it's the other ear that gets damaged. Um, uh, and that, yeah. And that piece of knowledge, and like I said, $4.50 will buy you a cappuccino at your local. Well, and so many drummers at the hi-hat side and everything, you know, their right. left ear is, is shot, but... Yeah, I like to damage both my ears at the same time. Yeah, just do it equally so that it all changes. Now, you also know, according to my extensive research, you can have completely damaged hearing in the two ears mechanically and your brain compensates. And I've done tests on people that have really damaged hearing where one ear is totally different than the other. And they can still point to phantom imaging just like a person with normal hearing because the, the brain adapts. Wow. Which is really uh, good, good news. Um, but um, by the way, wear earplugs. Uh, you know, there's all these different great earplugs, you know, custom ear molds, turn it down 5 dB, 6 dB, 10 dB. But, you know, if you if you want to still want to be gigging when you're a little older, uh, protect your hearing. Yeah. Now, what we have found works well in these small rooms for drums. This 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 is not this does not apply to a big room. But in a small room, first thing we like to do is to kind of deaden the center part of the room. And that's so that your overheads aren't too I mean, in a, in a room like yours with eight foot ceilings, the overheads are going to be close to the ceiling and what, everything that's going up to the ceiling is going to splash back into the overheads and make them sound bad with that really close comb filter sound that just is like ugh, small room. So we like to deaden the middle of the ceiling and we like to diffuse the perimeter. So the sound that's going off that way, it gets a chance to kind of break up into small pieces. Um, 
and then come back to the mics after it's been diffused, been scattered, and sounds more like it would in a bigger room. Uh, bigger rooms that have much more travel time and much more surface uh, space uh, create a diffusion, sort of a reverb that sounds good on mics. Um, and by by heavily loading the perimeter of your ceiling with diffusers, uh, you kind of simulate that. And then around the walls, uh, all the way around, we just have an alternator, alternation of absorbers and diffusers and absorber and diffusers of different patterns of diffusion to break it up a little bit. And, um, and then lower down, these are all various types of low frequency absorbers. People often call those bass traps and I'm always a little, I bristle a little bit at the term traps because it sounds like it's like this giant thing that goes and, and you know, traps the waves. And that's not really how it works. Um, it's just various forms of panels, which is role is to absorb low frequency, which gets rid of standing waves and also balances out the low frequency reverb in the room. Well, I have two questions for you. So on, on what, what Sonatus offers is a, a, a deco trap, a good friend of mine, great engineer, songwriter, producer, he was asking about that hard surface and I know you addressed this before, but so it's, it's like a, uh, almost like a wood paneling, but with, with space in between into that soft thing. So what's the purpose of that as opposed to a bass trap that's, uh, or a deco trap that's like just soft. Yeah. So I will, I will address that two or three different ways. First of all, I like to think of our solutions in really in the absorption as a as a three three way solution, kind of like you have a three way speaker where there's a woofer for the lows, a, mid, a you know mid range for the mids, and a tweeter for the highs, right? And so when we are when we're treating these rooms, we look at it that way across the range of frequencies. The main absorbers, those absorbers work. Uh, depending on the thickness, uh, we have two different thicknesses, but let's just say that they work pretty much from about 300 hertz on up. So that's like the higher frequencies. The decosorber, which is about the same thickness of fuzz, uh, we actually uh, use poly uh, high-density polyester foam. Um, the decosorber works from about 500 hertz or 600 hertz, depending on the model, down to about 200 hertz. So it kind of covers the next range of frequencies down. And then the deco trap works from 100 hertz on down. So first part of that answer is it's like three ways. The deco traps are really made for the lower, lower, lower frequencies up to about 100 hertz. The deco absorbers are 100 to about three or 400. And then the, the regular absorbers on the walls are 400 and up. I see. Now, um, there's, there's more to it than that. Um, the deco the deco traps, which really are a diaphragmatic surface that's on a big chunk of foam, so it's a very damp diaphragm, are meant to go in the corners, and their main role is to absorb standing waves, which which is not just free-floating reverb, but is actually energy, pressure energy going back and forth between two walls this way, two walls that way, ceiling and floor. And that's why we put them in the corner, because it catches all three directions. Um, when they're in the corner, they're not doing anything in the middle of the wall. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're far away. Meanwhile, your drums are, are, you know, you're pounding at your drums and some sound is pounding off this wall, that wall, this wall. And if you don't have something to absorb bass there, um, you're going to end up with a really unbalanced tonal quality in your mix or in mm. your pickup. Then you're going to have to equalize it out to make it sound good. And you have to work right. more and work more and work more. Um, you mentioned uh, somebody said uh, something about saving time or what you, you, you'll in, in the comments. And yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if you have a clean drum recording that you don't have to re-trigger later or 
or just like work like crazy through the EQ to make some room for other instruments because it's all nice and clean, you can save time in your pre-mixing, mixing, and mastering. All this to say that the deco zorbers are are designed to be put on the walls and catch the, the lower frequencies of the sound, not as low as the traps that are in the corners, but sort of in this mid-bass region. And the way they work is as as opposed to a foam or fiberglass absorber where the energy goes in and, and through friction uh, uh, converts the acoustic energy into heat. That's how a, a regular fuzzy, you know, fibrousy kind of material works. Instead of that, it's a it's this diaphragm that receives the sound energy and actually compresses and expands the foam as a diaphragm. And that compression and expansion is what creates the conversion of acoustic energy out of the room. About the pattern, um, if we were to if we were to make those panels just a, a straight panel of wood, they would absorb only only very lows uh, because and they would reflect the highs. By 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 cutting patterns on there with actually a laser cutter, we do let some mids in, and the pattern is actually pretty close, so it's not a lot of highs. It's it lets a little bit of mids in. It spreads the bandwidth of the decos over to go up higher than if it was just a flat panel. Mm-hmm. Plus, it makes it look kind of pretty. It does, so, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the idea behind those. So it is a um, a membrane absorber, uh, not not a tympanic one that goes bing. It's it's more of a a uh, uh, really a damped membrane that's in front of a full coverage of, of yep. dense polyester film. And I think it's important for for listeners who are drummers that are listening is that when. A lot of us are recording drums and sending them off for an engineer to work with, uh, a producer to work with. And so they're going to put their own treatment, whether it's effects or this. So oftentimes we are just, we're there to perform and give them the the raw tracks. And uh, so often, even on live gigs, when things are sounding good, tuned well, uh, recorded well, if it makes their job easier, then not only is a good performance desirable, but like, wow, you should call this, this drummer because they've got their sounds dialed in and it's going to speed up the process and uh, right. save you time and money and all right. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I'm old enough. I mean, I mean, not look at it, but I'm old enough to remember when you actually got paid for doing drum gigs and everybody got paid. There's plenty of money going around the music industry. That ain't so anymore. And the, yeah. the, the person who's going to get the gigs is the one who can keep working at high efficiency and quickly. It's re- it's ridiculous what they'll pay you to mix a hit song today. It's just, it's like, what? People figured out a way to do it. You have to be a contributor to that so that, w- that what you're putting out is easy to drop into the rest of the track. So this, by the way, is, is the work of our uh, genius plan uh, set uh, creator, Mario Praviti, who actually uh, lives in your town. He lives in Nashville. We oh, do wow. all of our work by remote. And uh, he, he does, he helps me through the engineering and then does all of these layouts and then does these renderings. Um, all right, so we got some absorbers over here, and perimeter around that is various types of diffusers. And I'm not going to get too f- much in that. I think I covered that um, a few months ago. But they they have different patterns in how they re-radiate, and we point them in different directions so that basically the sound is going up. Is what we're trying to do is is doesn't sound very good when I when I say, it, but we're trying to cheese grate the big sound waves into small pieces so right. that it's more digestible. Yeah. Actually, that sounds good. It's, it's much more digestible. That it, is, it is. And and you said you, you talked about the drums blooming. 
yeah. you know, the sound and that that was a great descriptor. Yeah, and that's what it does is as opposed to the the wavefront hitting the ceiling and coming back to the mic as, as an entity and they're competing with the direct sound, it's mm -hmm. broken into smaller pieces so that what gets back to the mic is diffused, it's bloomed out, it just sounds much more right, like right, right, right. Okay, so, and then around the walls, absorbers, absorbers, and they're, they're basically scattered around the room and it's covering ultimately, you know, less than 20% of the wall surface. And then we're interleaving different types of diffusers at different places to try again to, to, for the sound that's going out to the walls to get returned back to you and to the mics in a, in a diffused way, in a scattered way that, again, sounds like it's in a bigger room. I've been in, in a lot of studios that have big live rooms. And they, they don't have this level of treatment. They just have space. They have square footage, square mm -hmm. meters, and square meters cost a lot. You got to heat them. You got to cool them. Uh, you got to pay the rent. You got to pay the real estate, and you know no nobody can afford that anymore. And this one of the things about this whole trickery is it's a way to make a small room like your sound like a, a big live room. Yeah. Okay, so let's get a little bit more in detail about what's actually on those walls. This in our in our plant sets, we always have a, a page here that shows the symbol key uh, of the the cloud panels, the absorbers, the different different types of diffusers. We have a what I call a 3D diffuser called a big fuser. The sound hits it and gets scattered in the three-dimensional hemisphere. We have two different types of 2D diffusers where the sound that hits the panel is scattered back as a plane, which is why I call it 2D. It's, it's a uh, incoming sound is one dimension and then it scatters back out in 2D. So there's a thing called a four fuser and a thing called a sharp fuser. They have slightly different patterns. And then we have two more panels in your room, the, the deco zorber, which is, like I said, it's a, it's a chunk of foam uh, that's covered with a, with a membrane. Um, it's three inches thick. And then there's the, uh, the deco traps, which is yeah. a much deeper thing that goes into the corner. So uh, this is one wall. On that wall, uh, you can see there's, there's absorbers. Their role is to tame down the reflection energy in the room so it doesn't sound like an echo box. And then we have some four fuser diffusers. These scatter the sound on horizontally. Don't send too much of it up to the ceiling. Just keep it in the horizontal plane. Um, and there's a sharp fuser over here. And then in the corners here, there's a stack of our, uh, uh, what's called again, the deco traps, low frequency absorbers that go in the corners to cancel down or to absorb out the standing wave energy in the room. And then at height, of the kick drum and the lower toms, there is a, a low frequency, a, a mid-based to low frequency absorber called the deco zorber. Um, so that's one wall. This is another wall. Uh, we had you put two diffusers on the door. I hope that wasn't too much of a hassle. Sometimes the diffusers are a bit big and you open and close the door, they're a hassle, but how, how did that turn out for you? You know, uh, so uh, six of, the, of these particular, uh, what are they, the square, the, the four fusers, yeah. Four fusers uh, had what you guys provided uh, with the, the magnet on the back. Yeah. So what I did is I decided to use two of those on the door, that door. Uh, yeah. So because that is a common door coming in and out of this room uh, from another space. Right. And so if when I'm not using the room for a long period of time, I can take that down and protect that. Right. Yeah, that's so that's an idea. option. Well, and, 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 you know, not to, not to jump too far ahead, but I mean, mounting options 
I think it is more important than I realize. So, you know, there's uh, some of these on the ceilings that have uh, the magnet and stuff that I was just able to use some, some uh, you know, improvise a little bit to be able to have something metallic there for them to grab onto. So right. on that door, I re- uh, in, in sound isolation, I ended up replacing a couple doors with some uh, heavy, excuse me, heavy solid core doors. Uh, to help with the sound between the rooms, but also uh, with the mounting, I ended up using uh, the, some Velcro, like the 3M that you put on. You can get these heavy-duty ones at Lowe's, right. and and then if you needed, if if you were changing rooms at all, I mean, you could take the whole thing down and take it off your wall. But uh, I have another one on a door that if I wanted to, I could, and I've done this before, like I'll take down a couple of those things on that door and then put it back up. And so the Velcro that I believe it's the, the 3M has that. Right. What's called command adhesive from 3M. That stuff's amazing. Yeah. Put it on the wall and then you can just peel it back, you know, with this little tab and it pops right off. So So everything... Everything with the exception of the clouds that are hanging, um, you know, and the couple of the, the, the gray ones that are magnetized. It's and of course, the 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 deco traps that are sitting on the floor. Everything is Velcroed. Oh, uh, you know, the uh, I guess I have to say the um, big fusers. Mm-hmm. Uh, ha- they had something on the back that I was able to to mount something on the wall and hang them almost like a picture. Right. Yeah. They come with a little wood plate. Um, so we, I, on the mounting, we, we have this optional uh, magnetic kit that, that you're talking about, Matt, here, which is four magnets that get, get uh, hot glued actually to the back of the panels and then four fender washers that are countersunk that you put at the locations on the wall and you can click the panel on the wall. It's great. And it's great. just an easy way to do it. But also in a room like this where you're, you're recording tracks, you can actually change things around. So maybe there's a different drum tone to be had by moving the absorbers and diffusers around, getting rid of all the absorbers, getting rid of the diffusers, whatever, um, whatever style you're trying to get to acoustically, you can now make – not only do you have a room that's treated acoustically, but you have variable acoustics, man. You got to pay a lot of money for that. Normally. Well, I I want to I want to make sure that we address that. That's really I, I think it's really important for drummers that I mean we have multiple snare drums uh, to choose from, cymbals. Uh, a lot of us have multiple drum sets to choose from, right. and uh, it's. I mean, why do, why do we do this? Is it, we just like to spend money. No, because you, you somewhat, you, yeah. You, you're not only getting hired, and we talk about this on the podcast a lot. You're not only getting hired to to perform. You're also getting hired to come up with a part that works for the song. Right. To use your drummer brain to to orchestrate what needs to happen, and then on top of that, you're also asked to think sonically. What is going to work is this going to be a a really dry snare drum uh really washy big fat hi-hats you know all these things do i take um you know do i find the right padding is is the kicker 4.0 in my kick drum is that going to be the right thing for you know all these things that and in what kind of room and now if i can record here um so i'll i'll do stuff it could be uh today i have to do like a pop track and the reference tracks that I was given are these really modern tracks. Mm-hmm. And then the next track I'm doing, uh, somebody wants a straight up George Strait Texas shuffle. Mm-hmm. And 
the modern track, I need some room. I need some room. Uh, the country track, I want, I'm not moving anything. It's going right. to be, I need, I need kind of this uh, late 80s drum room sound. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've got, yeah, you, you have the ability to change that. Now, you, you could actually take the room to completely dead if you wanted to by getting more absorbers from us. Right now, you have a, a mix, about 50-50 absorbers and diffusers. Mm -hmm. um, but if you had more absorbers, you could take down diffusers from selected locations and put more absorption up and end up with an even drier, punchier tone, which right. may not sound right right in your original recording, but may help the mixer in starting up with something that's more dead and then they they can be the ones to liven it up however they want every every session's a little different that way so um anyway all, all that's to say that's why we have these magnetic install kits yep. so you can you can move things around it's also easier to install but it, i but think it's being a, able to be flexible is really cool that's a really appealing thing i think uh, that uh, i want i just love for people to know that just to be able yeah. to kind of tune and have this flexibility right. to yeah Cool. Well, let's go back to uh, this, this, these walls. So again, uh, bd, 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 bd. so just I'm going to go back to this drawing to like remember where we are. So uh, looking at it from the drummer's perspective, from the drum stool perspective, this over here is your left wall. And then I'm going to I'm going to call this the wall that's in front of you I mean, call it the front wall. So we looked at the left wall. We looked at the front wall. Two diffusers on the door, absorbers around it, some some of these deco absorbers, so like mid-bass absorbers down lower, um, and then the uh, deco traps in the corners. And then this is the this is the wall that's over to your right. As I'm sitting at the kit, it would be to my right. So okay. ride ride symbol floor tom, but it's slightly turned away. So my back is a little bit to it. It's at an angle. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. So you, you turn, you rotate a little bit. So, so this is the other wall, um, absorbers, diffusers. We here up high, we introduced a 3d diffuser so yeah. that the, um, the upper area of the symbols, you know, the stuff that's up a little higher has something to bounce off and go up to the ceiling and kind of scatter around in the room. Um, and that's really what you want to try to do with the things that are a little bit up higher is to bring it back to the ceiling uh, so that you can get a little bit of ambience from the far, far edges of the room. Yeah, yeah. And then this is the final wall. Again, some absorbers, some diffusers, uh, two different types, the, the 2D types, which are stripes this way that scatter the sound in the other direction. I know it may seem counterintuitive that when you have stripes this way, the sound scatters that way, but just think of it as a, uh, let's go back to a cheese grater. If you had a cheese grater, if you point it this way to your cheese, you won't be grating your cheese. It needs to be that way so that it grates your cheese. Interesting. I'm getting hungry. Yeah. <laughs> let me ask you, let me, uh, on the picture before you had uh, the deco trap up high. Yeah, you can yeah. see that. So uh, yeah. you explained kind of this the low frequency and how it just it was it was handling some of the low frequency of the floor tom, the kick drum. So what was the point of that up there on that far end of the room? Well, my dear, it's very scientific. There was not enough room between this deco trap and your door frame to put a deco zorber there. <laughs> We call that opportunity acoustics, which is like, you know, you start with a plan and then you go, well, where can I fit stuff? Okay. And then you go, oh, it can't fit here. And rather than slice it, you know, we're just putting it up, up high. It also covers this little zone. 
Um, yeah. And, yeah. and there it is. Thanks for asking. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, and so this is, let's see, where were we? So then this is the, the final wall that we didn't talk about yet, but, but uh, you know, some, some uh, vertically striped 2D diffusers where the sound scatters back out on the horizontal plane, mm-hmm. and then a 3D diffuser up here. So the sound that hits it gets scattered hemispherically. Um, and then this is the ceiling view, just what's called a reflected ceiling plan, absorbers in the middle, and then a scatter, a smattering of diffusers, which you could either use 2D diffusers turned around as you go around with 3d diffusers depending on how much room you have um our our uh, big fusers are about six and a half inches deep and when you have a, a ceiling that's only eight feet tall that starts to feel like man you're really encroaching so we sometimes go back to the slightly shallower 2d diffusers like we did in your room yeah yeah so that was nice um yeah man this is a list of everything that was in there um yeah so um, so that's what we did. And, you know, the, again, the, the, the prevailing uh, vision for what we're trying to do is the sound of your drums go, goes out and hits the walls, hits the ceiling. The middle of the ceiling is absorbed so it doesn't come right back into your overheads. The, uh, the perimeter of it is scattered so that the sound that goes over that way can bloom around a little bit. The upper areas of the room are generally diffused. And then from, from about six feet down, there's some absorption and some low frequency absorption and in in the corners we put the the deco traps for you know deep base absorption yeah um, yeah yeah then that's what we did so did it work yeah uh, did, did yeah for, well for, for, first question actually is on the opportunity side did we get all the dimensions right where everything fit where we thought it would fit that's that's not always obvious that, you know, there's a couple uh, places in my ceiling where it there's an angle, uh, right. but I think for the most part uh, that was handled nicely. On on the room, uh, the what we're calling the front room, where there was three things, uh, there there was enough space for all three. The the yep. uh, absorbers. Um, I'm looking at your uh, the, the the legato eight and uh, and the deco trap two of those absorbers and then the deco trap they kind of had to be almost stacked one right on top of the right. other uh, that's right. the only spot um, there's a couple of things that in, sort of that, that angled soffit you have behind you there right? yes yeah um, but otherwise and I know that we were dealing with a lot of doors in in this but um, no, it, in the video that we're that we have put in this video that we're that we're recording now, uh, th- that will be placed. You 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 can hear the difference uh, again as we explained before. All things being the same, apples to apples, you can really hear the difference. I will tell you when I first did that, AB, and I sent you a link to that video yeah. before we put that out. I think we posted that yesterday and that will be a part of this video uh, i sent that to a friend of mine who's got really great ears and has his own studio uh and he his his response was i listened twice to your video on my computer he wanted to make sure he got home and just didn't put it on his phone uh through my studio monitors the thing i noticed both times that i wasn't focused on notice the second he basically he said it jumped out at him again how much more focused the low end is mm. in the treated room. Mm. Uh, 
And this is a guy whose main instrument is bass. He's all about low end. But he said mm-hmm. how focused that low end was. And I think that ties into one of the comments we got about mixing on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the things I will tell you from the, the few uh, tracks I've been able to do since, since everything's been installed is the isolation between uh, drums. How, how uh, l- I'm getting less bleed from the tom mics into the snare mics which is always an issue or the hi-hat mic going into the snare mic so the drums speak individually in a stronger way right so uh, you know uh, i think another thing for drummers to consider is uh you know one comment the guy said hey i love it it sounds great there's the before there was something, there was a character of the room before that I thought was really cool. Well, yeah, of course, because you're hearing this echoey drums by themselves when I did a post where it was just drums by themselves. But you always have to consider where is it going to lay in the mix? Where, how, in context of drums sitting within the context of a song, you can, you, you can create this big, huge drum sound but then the the engineer or whoever's going to be like, that's great, but we're recording more than drums, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not a drum album. Um, so my original business partner in in the company MS Star Acoustics is a um, guy called Keith Olson, um, incredibly well known, six time Grammy award winning uh, engineer and producer. He passed away last year, unfortunately, hmm. um, and did. Just look him up. Did, did amazing work. You know, lots and lots and lots of gold and platinum albums. And I got to hear in his studio a bunch of really famous songs that we've all heard a bazillion times in which you solo up the guitar, you solo up the snare, you solo up the instruments. And on the, you know, on his recordings, he was he, like, Keith was like really famous for getting a big sound out of anything, whether it was country, pop, rock, and, you know, and you solo up the thing with no effects, nothing. And it just sounds like clank, 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 clank. Like, man, that's a, that's a horrible guitar tone or that bass guitar just sounds like there's no, and it's like, that's what you need. Yeah. You know, I need it like, I need it to all take its own room so I can lay it in the places I can lay it and then build the whole castle on top and let me do the big. And yeah. that's a mistake we musicians always, you know, I, I like most guitarists have spent 20 years of my guitar life getting that tone, you know, combinations of amps and cabinets and effects and all of the you know, guitar. I got a whole collection of guitars, two out of the three I have over here to get the tone. And you realize in the end, the, the person who wants to mix, I almost said the guy, the, the, the man or the woman that wants to mix in the end just needs things that they can actually segment out and put in the mix. And sometimes it's just got to be simple, dry, uh, clunky, just play the right notes, play them in the right time. Don't take up too much room. Let them deal with, you know, how to, how to expand it into the mix. Um, and so with drums, if yeah. you're, if you're doing it, I'm repeating myself, but if you're doing a drum track that's really big and really verby and like sounds great on its own, uh, there's no room for anybody else. 
And so that's one yeah. of the benefits of trying to dry it down a little bit, not not kill it. I, I'm not an advocate of soup, you know, of electronic sounding drums in the end, if you if you totally kill it, but just take up less room in your individual tracks and let let the next person down the line do the job they have to do to to pack it all right. It reminds me of a former guest that we had, Grady Saxman, who's a is a great producer and drummer himself, and and he described the sonic space as a sandbox and there's only so much room and so every time you introduce something new to the mix that's taking up sonic space uh if your bass drum is is falling in the exact same frequency as the low-end keyboard or bass guitar something's got to give and so we talk about uh, the punch of the kick drum and then the subwoofer on the outside or the outside kick drum so you've got the the first punch the first part of the note and then the last part of the note and the combination of the two is what gives you that there each one is playing a role so again we're we're like introducing different parts of all the the ensemble if you will is each playing a role to make this large beautiful sound like you were like you were talking about the engineer you know like this is small but put piece together you have a a picture it's all good it's all good it's amazing it's amazing so um of course we're we're ultimately uh the working drummer is putting you know the 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 output of the working drum is is tracks you know microphones have picked up the sound and as I heard in your demo, it just sounded so, it just sounded so much nicer, you know, whatever. We can put all kinds of words on it, but the track after just was a, um, it, yeah, it didn't have the room around. It didn't have all that kind of fun stuff about it, but it's just a, it just sounded like much better drums. But what about for you as a, as a, as a drummer, just playing there, just mm-hmm. in the room, listening to the drums, um, Ignoring mics, just going, I'm just playing, just having a good time. What did you, did you notice anything? Was it apparent to you? Yeah, it definitely, uh, again, I I think there are some frequencies that can, can wear you out. And so Mm -hmm. when I'm taking the time to, uh, work out a part or run down a track a few times, or even just sitting in without my in-ears in or my headphones on and kind of listening to the tones that I'm introducing to the room, different snare drums, different cymbals, I'm not. I'm not exhausted. Um, right. If I if I have time to work on things and I want to spend some time in the room, touch and tone is a part of what drummers should be practicing. So there are times that I, I practice without my headphones, without my in-ears, some ear protection, but it's not all going through some sort of processor. It's mm-hmm. I'm really trying to relate with the drums so I know what I'm doing. That that is a that is a new challenge. As in in the 21st century, drummers are all used to reusing in ears or having some sort of sound that they're going through, and we 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 lose touch with with our our touch and our our feel mm-hmm. with the drums. Mm-hmm. So we need to take time with that. And if I'm in that big echoey room that you hear in the demo the before. Boy, the, my practice sessions would not last very long. Um, right. I, now I can tell you, um, I wasn't when I had everything under construction, and I had I have a carpet here, this, this, like a not a carpet, but a um, an area rug. Mm-hmm. 
I had that rolled up out of the way. I was painting the rooms. I was adding a second layer with green glue on two of the walls. I was doing serious construction. I had drums in another room. My son was homeschooling in another room Mm -hmm. between us. And it was like an echo chamber. Mm -hmm. And he said, Dad, do you have the doors open? I said, no. He goes, because it is so loud. Like the room was, was amplifying yeah. the space, two doors. So not only does, is it more pleasant for me in here, but it also, a buddy of mine came over. I stepped outside to hear, you can hear a, a dB or two lower in mm-hmm. volume. And more, my neighbors like that, you know, right? and my family does. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know on a straight sound level, what, uh, you know, if, if you could measure the before and after of the sound pressure level of you playing the drums right outside that door to your neighbors, you'd probably only measure, you know, with a, with a, a sound level meter. They don't have needles anymore. They have, you know, meters that display digital bits, but you probably will sound very, you'll show very little difference in the sound level. Because this stuff is not, it's not really cutting down so much of the sound level that goes out. But the sound character mm. is going to be a lot less bothersome. So it, for one, when you're inside a room and and whether you're listening to music over speakers or, or hitting an instrument, uh, playing an instrument, uh, echoey sound that's bouncing around is is disturbing for the brain because your brain's going, where is it? Where is it coming from? It's like, it's like being slapped repeatedly this way um, in your psychoacoustic system. It's like, ah... Um, and so if you actually looked inside the room before and after your treatment, you may, you may find a reduction of sound level of, I don't know, three to four decibels before and after. And that's not really that much. That's like, you know, you know what 3dB on the fader is. It's a little bit, it's not a very big deal. Happens to be twice the power if it was an amplifier driving a speaker, but it's not that big of a deal in sound level. But the character of the sound going from echoey and and reverberant to damped and and easy to listen to is so much more, is so much less annoying. I was going to say more pleasant, less annoying is is the term. And so you can be in there longer before you have any listening fatigue. By the same token, if you think of the sound bouncing around an echoey room and leaking out the door to your neighbors, there's just so much more character to that reverberant sound that makes it annoying than if it's deadened out. Mm-hmm. And so even though on a sound level meter, you may not really see much of a difference, the perception of the the annoyance of that is way reduced after you damp it. And there is not really any clear measurement method you can use. You could measure with impulse responses, but it, it, this this aspect hasn't really been studied. I, I, you know, there, there are some journal uh, articles that talk about the influence of the reverb and on um, perception of loudness on that, but it, it's, it's not definitive. It's not like measuring a decibels w- with a good sound level meter where you can go, I see the number, um, but it, it's just less annoying. And we'll just call it the annoyance factor. Yeah. Same thing in a restaurant. If you're in a place that's booming and it's all high ceilings, hard surfaces, everything, you measure the level, it may be 75 or 80 dB, which is not quiet, but it's not crazy loud. It's it's really annoying. You can't hold a conversation. And that's because your your brain's bothered by all the sound that's bouncing around and bouncing around. And then if that restaurant happens to hire somebody to put up some kind of acoustical treatment and, and tamper to, you know, tamp it down, damp damp it down, you may see a reduction of three or four decibels of sound level, but suddenly it's just comfortable to be in. 
and you yeah. can actually hold a conversation even though there's noise going on uh, and it's perfectly comfortable. So um, that that part is it's a, just a little harder to measure and explain. You do hear it well with a single ear, by the way, because you don't you don't have echo canceling when you don't you don't have binaural hearing. But um, I would say that your neighbors, uh, whether you get along with them or not, we do. Are, yeah, 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 they're great. Oh, good. It's good to have neighbors that you like when you are banging yeah. away at drums. <laughs> um, they, they're most probably going to have something that's less annoying coming out your door over there. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Cool. No, it just, it just, it just helps everything. And, 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 you know, uh, in addition to that, uh, one thing that we were discussing briefly that I think is important in this kind of modern era of social media and, uh, the way we, uh, meet new people and, 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 and work with more people is that people are seeing things on social media. They're seeing things. So, uh, oftentimes if you see a video, it may be great sounding, but you, you, you don't even want to click on it where sometimes there's a visual aspect of it that yeah. if you're able to present something and, and the things that you guys provide, uh, it just like, wow, this looks great. I have to click on this to make sure I can hear the sound. So yeah. if, you know, if you're doing drum covers, uh, if you're trying to grow your YouTube channel, you know, however you're utilizing your space, um, in creating music in whatever fashion, uh, lighting, you know, the video, all these people invest in these things, camera lighting, you know, right. your backdrop, your, you know, everything like that. It, it, it could be amazing sounding, but you just need to draw somebody in. If you're somebody like me that doesn't have a name, uh, the, the, of, of, you know, a famous drummer with, you know, a big name that of course doesn't matter where they are, you're going to click on them because you're going to want to hear what they're doing. But right. if you're somebody like me that, that you don't know who they are and you're trying to attract clients or attract more people to work with, sometimes yeah. having something that looks good is there. So that's a uh, long winded. Yeah. This, this looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it does have to look good. You know, the better studios out there always had really amazing, uh, I, I use the word had, <laughs> have. I'm just, you know why I'm saying had. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of these really, really cool places have been shuttering because the business has changed. But um, the the vibe and the, the interior architecture was really important so that it just felt good to be in. You take pictures in there and it's compelling. And so it, it does have to look good, even though the look doesn't logically affect what you're hearing. We, we do listen with our eyes. Yes. Um, so, yes. you know, what, what's behind me, this is our little music room and listening room. Uh, you're seeing some speakers that are part of an, uh, an immersive audio environment for uh, Dolby Atmos type um, uh, music and film over, over in this direction is the screen. Um, but the, the stuff that's over here is all made to look good on the wall. It's, yeah. you know, it's expensively made with solid wood so that, so that it's, it's compelling. Because people, like you said, they, they do, if they see something cool, they're going to go, oh, what's over here? And they're going to click and, and want to listen. It's been an amazing experience. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, to, and, and I'm looking forward to the, the, the many options that I've got to kind of experiment and really learn my room as much as I've learned what my snare drum, this snare drum or that snare drum does or right. this drum set does uh, so that I can 
be more competitive and, and provide something uh, to, to just about anybody, you know? Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing your recordings um, yeah. and, you know, you guys li listen into the, the before and after recording. It, it, it stunned me actually. It was like, wow, this stuff works. <laughs> yeah. Again, I mean, it just, it, it, everything being the same apples and apples, man. Amazing. Right. Amazing. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. What's, what's the next step? What is the next step? <laughs> Well, you know, start start to record a whole bunch of tracks, play play around with the the, uh, the locations of all those things, you know, because they they will change your tone a little bit. I'd love to hear what you what you did notice. Hey, you know, when I moved these diffusers here or there, or I did this thing and that thing, you know, here's what changed. Um, of course, for this this kind of track, uh, you know, I, I like a layout that way. I like to turn the diffusers in this other direction. Um, you know, just I mean, ultimately, you're you're deflecting and reorienting how the sound is bouncing in the in the room, and coming back to um, coming back to your mics, and uh, it it you know it'd be fun to to hear your experiments with all that. Well, and knowing what each one of these does and why they do what they do, it, it I have a little more education on. Okay, this is going to be absorbing within these this frequency range and this free. So I want to control this frequency range and let this frequency let, range. Boy, that's hard to say. Uh, you know, it, over. So if I, I need more highs, I'm I'm taking down some of these the diffusers the. Um, the legato, these, these softer diffusers, I want more high end. If I want to control, you know, if I want to open up the low end, I may, you know, arrange the deco fusers or something like that. So, right. yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, no, there's, there's just so much to work with. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, right. And, and sometimes things will be actually counterintuitive. There's cases where, uh, reducing the amount of, uh, of absorption will actually dull out your room. It's, it's oh, like, wow. what? Well, because uh, the, the, as, as you reduce, uh, oh, as you increase the path length of how the sound bounces around the room, yeah, um, you end up with more energy in the microphone that's gone more miles, if you want to think of it that way. And every time it bounces off the wall, it loses some highs. As it travels through air, the highs get um, uh, absorbed more than the mids and lows. Oh, interesting. And so as, as you liven up the room, you can actually in some cases it have it a little bit brighter, but may, very often less bright and kind of a little thicker. And that may be the right thing for a certain type of recording. Um, so, you know, experiment and see, see what happens. Cause, right. uh, cause yeah. it may match what you're trying to do better. Um, the only way to find out is to, is to try it. Yeah. Well, the, the, the high, it's interesting you say that the hi hats seem to be brighter in this room than they were yeah. before, which, which yeah. surprised me. If you want help with, Hey, I got a room. What do I do with this? It sounds this way and that way. Can you help me? We, we can consult on that. Sonatus, which is the materials you've got around your room. Uh, there's the website, sonatususa.com. This has been, this has been amazing, uh, Anthony. And, and, and I, I want to, I want to shout out to Andrew Calvo uh, for his connection uh, with us and, and the kindness that you guys have shown our podcast. Well, it's, it's been fun. Thanks for the exposure. Uh, thanks for, yeah. 
for trusting us, I guess, because you've invested a lot in your room and, you know, who are we, a bunch of, of geeks over here in California going, oh, do this, do that. And I'm, I'm glad it worked out. Well, we're, um, we're the feeling's mutual. We're all, yeah, trying to rise together. So, Well, Matt, I look forward to hearing your continue, the results of your continuing experiments. And, and uh, this is fun. Yeah, super great. Anthony, thank you so much, man. Uh, We're going to hit stop here, but I just want to say thank you so much and uh, more information and just just more things uh, for everyone to to listen to and digest. So uh, from Sonatus USA, we we, we so appreciate it. Great. Same here. Take care. Take care. So there you have it, our third and final interview with Anthony Gramani from Sonatus USA. Those guys have been amazing. If you want to reach out to them and if you have any further questions uh, about sound treatment, sound isolation, uh, studio speakers, anything, uh, those guys have been just super helpful and interested in helping out the drumming community. And as you know, they make the Kicker 4.0, which is the uh, kick drum muffling system that uh, many great players like uh, Peter Erskine, uh, John Fishman, uh, Jim Riley, these guys are using, Zach and I are using them as well. They're awesome. So reach out to Sonatus, uh, Andrew Calvo, uh, Anthony Gramani. Uh, those guys can answer any questions that you have. Uh, they make great products, and um, they're just, as Anthony would admit, audio geeks that are there to answer any questions and, and help out. So it's been fun to work with them, and uh, they're really passionate about what they do. Tune in next week for Zach Albetta's interview with Brody Simpson, a drummer and studio owner from Perth, Australia. But for now, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Uh, stay safe, be well, and uh, hope to see you around real soon. Bye-bye.